Hi, this is Mike Dietrich, Hubert Player Extraordinaire, and you're listening to the 80s Arcade Podcast with Bob Johnson. Welcome to the 80s Arcade Podcast. Here's your host, Bob Johnson. With me today is Michael Dietrich, holder of 210 records on Twin Galaxies, including 123 world records. Included are a 3 million run on Amidar, the Japanese version, 1.6 million on Van Van Car, and 810,000 on the Five Lives Challenge for Bosconian, all using MAME. And on March 3rd, 2017, he scored an amazing 6,006,005 points at the Galloping Ghost Arcade on Qbert. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I have uh, one question I always ask all my guests. What was the first arcade game you remember playing, and where was it? I, I can remember it very vividly. Uh, it was Space Invaders. I was nine years old at a pizza place in uh, in my hometown of uh, Sherwood, Arkansas. So, uh, just as kind of just an extension on that, uh, was there any like uh, arcade that you went to normally? Um, when you when you say arcade is um, at the age of at the age of ten, mm-hmm. um, my my mother and I moved to Italy, and it was a it was a different situation as far as arcades go. I mean they 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 had arcades in Europe. I mean, but a lot of them you could find in coffee shops and bars that weren't really bars. I mean, but there were like um, like meeting places and coffee shops and tobacco stores. And they would have like a couple of cabarets. I mean, rarely did you see the actual full-size arcade games in some of these places, but they had like nice, neat, cute little cabaret games, you know, maybe off in the corner. Um, but they did have arcades that were, you know, had like um, several dozen in, in some places. And there were some smaller arcades that had maybe, you know, a couple dozen. And I mean, they were they were very much the rage, uh, you know, during the golden age of the '80s, uh, during the golden age of uh, video game playing. Uh, but yeah, I, I grew up in in that kind of uh, that kind of setting. Not not so much the Aladdin's castles um, that they had in every shopping mall in the U.S. And but we did come to the U.S. like every every uh, couple of summers, and I would check those places out as well. Last year, your marathon Hubert did a tune of just over six million points. How were you able to score such a high score? Uh, perseverance and trying to not be bored out of my mind. And believe it or not, the the, the staff at Galloping Ghosts were absolutely wonderful. You know, they kept uh, you know giving me water bottles when I needed it, and they went, actually went out to get some pizza for me. You know, while I was actually eating and playing at the same time. So. I, I had a I had a lot of uh I had a lot of uh, support all around me. I just didn't really see it at the time, but I had a, a chat room going on on one side of me that would that was hooked up to a computer that had the comp- the camera pointing down on my head while it was all going. So I knew people were watching and they were going like, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this isn't you know, how far is he going and everything. So it, it was it was it was not so much it was a, it was the positive pressure kind of pushing me on, um, and you know just just kept going just kept going. 
because I, I knew I had a goal in mind. I just didn't know if I was going to, you know, absolutely reach it, you know, without, without a coming to the point where I was just going to crash and just go, okay, that's it. <laughs> and that's, and that's really when I hit that wall after, after the 12 hour mark. It's definitely a marathonable game. It is. That was the, uh, the inspiration that I, that I, um, Phase four with this is that um, if you remember the movie King of Kong, yeah, during during the game and and this lady was was actually you know one of my biggest inspirations, the the Cubert lady. Um, I mean she's like eighty years old and still playing a game. I mean that's that anything you know spurred me to keep going. So well, she if she can play you know Cubert and, and you know rack up these millions of scores, you know why can't I? So, I mean, I had started off as a player who was getting maybe to level four or five um, with regular re- regular um, frequency, and some the light just kind of just kind of came on and clicked. It's like, okay, I, I'm seeing what's going on here because I was seeing all these other people who are, you know, you know. And there's a guy, a local guy down in Little Rock, who who got like a million and a half, and you know, kind of walked away with the game board. Like that's that's all I knew. So I knew that if he could do it, you know, and all these other people could do it. I mean, there's some there's something there that I'm that I haven't I haven't grasped yet. You know, it's and once I figured, I was like, it's so damn simple now. I mean, I, it's easier yeah easier said than than done, but it, it's kind of kind of, kind of silly in a way, like you know. Well, if I see it in these terms, if if somebody else could see it, you know, the same way I do, they could, you know, walk away, you know, you know, like you know, ten, twenty, thirty million points. You know, the the only factor become becomes is, you know, how long do you want to last? And I mean, that becomes a, a completely different game altogether. You know, because now you're getting into the the realm of sleep deprivation. I mean, I don't know how this, how George Lutz does it, you know, getting 37 million points. I mean, I have a few um, theories on that though, but I mean, he, he's got everything planned out to, you know, bathroom breaks, you know, lunch breaks, you know, sleeping by the cab, you know, while, while your extra cubers die off and then knowing when to wake up and then, you know, get yourself back up. And then reclaim everything that you lost, you know, and all, all that, all that downtime. I'm, I'm at, I'm at kind of at that first level of marathon. It's like, okay, I played a 12-hour game. I'm tired, and <laughs> I don't want to play this anymore. It then it becomes, you know, breaking through that wall of like, okay, I want to keep going. You know, how far do I want to go? Because next time I want, next time I, I go to Chicago, I already. I already told a couple of people next time I do this, um, I want to get 10 bill. And I already had a plot. I was like, okay, before I say I'm going to make 10 million, 10 million points on Qbert, I have to plot out, okay, that, what is it going to take to the, what's going to take is at least 21 straight hours of play. And that's not counting, you know, the bathroom breaks, the lunch breaks, you know, any other breaks, you know, just, Getting away from the machine break, yeah. and then 
calculating, you know, at the same time, how many lives will I have accrued in, in conjunction with, you know, going up, you know, the, the, the points ladder. Cause you get one every 14,000 points. So you have to take into account things like, you know, when I leave, when I leave the game, okay, Hubert stays at the top of the pyramid. And while he's at the top of the pyramid, you gotta wait, he's gotta wait for all that time for, you know, the, the red balls to bounce and then Coily will start coming down and then work his way back up. You know, that extrapolated out, you know, like it'll, it'll take like 45 seconds to a minute and then multiply it out, you know, times how many cubits are we willing to sacrifice, you know, based on how many have you earned in during that time. So th those are the things that you have to kind of take, take into account before you get into a real marathon game where, you know, eight digits are involved instead of just six million points. Six million is a, it's, it's a, it's a very solid game. I mean, definitely for me, it's as far as I've ever gone. But if I want to get to that next level where I double six into the 12 million, now I'm going to have to take into account, you know, things like um, health. I mean, <laughs> of, all, of all things, like, yeah, I don't want to put myself into a position where, you know, it becomes physically, you know, so exhausting that it might pose a, uh, a risk to me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh... I agree. I mean, most the games I play are much more shorter, and that's part of the reason why. So, for a game like that, you must have some strategies, or are there any? Are there? Is it like some games that are patternable, say like Pac-Man, or is it more random? Or there's there's a bit of both. There's there's a pattern to it, and there's there's also randomness. I mean, the random part is you know when the when the balls drop on you know, on the pyramid, it's always it always starts at the second level, and then it drops down. But you really have no control over which direction that they bounce as, as they come down. But you just, I just deal with that as the, the, the progress of you know completing the board goes on. But to me, there's actually there's absolutely a pattern that I use, and I just repeat that over and over. And that's basically you just go down one side of the pyramid, fill out the bottom, and then kind of work your way up top, and you just. And at that point, you kind of ad lib, you know, waiting for which balls to drop. But if you pay attention, there's there's kind of a a script that I call it that you know when when a certain when a red ball drops, you know, and another one drops, you you always have the kind of feeling, okay, at this point, I know that you know one of those green guys is going to drop, so I have to position myself close to the top at that point and wait for one of those things to drop. And once that happens, then I go back to, you know, trying to finish up the board. Okay, yeah, I watched a little bit of your game plan, and I can't even notice that. I was watching you. I'm like, hey, he's going down the side and up and down, up and down. And I suspected that there might have been a pattern, but I wasn't really sure. It's, it's not a perfect pattern like Pac-Man where you do the exact same turns, you know, every every time, you know, down to the millisecond, you know, it's very fluid. It's very dynamic. You know, it's, it's a lot of, you know, watching for what comes and then knowing when to dodge, but it's also, you know, being at the right spot at the right time, you know, leaping, you know, literally leaping on that opportunity when, when it comes. So you're, you're trying to protect, protect the base of your pyramid 
you know, at the same time, you know, trying to fix whatever mistakes he may have made. And then you, you just keep going for that. But you, you always have, you always have to watch out for the trap part. All right. The, the trap part of the game is when, when you get to level five, you have to jump on a cube twice, you know, to get to the target color. But if you jump on it again, it goes back to its original color. Well, when you, when you go through playing the game and you're trying to, you know, fix all your messes up, you'll get to um, what I call the trap is that there's a point in the game where you're down to one cube, but you can't get to that cube, you know, without messing everything up. And so you, you always have like one, one cube that's slightly off. And that's where the, uh, the strategy with the discs come in because the discs, um, are arranged, you know, in a, uh, in an even and odd pattern at the uh, at the odd levels or uh, the odd rows of the cubes um those are the ones that i like to use um to uh to help fi- fix and get my get myself out of the trap so to speak i mean it, it's kind of hard to hard to say it into words though but basically there there's what's called kind of a board uh, polarity involved where you know that you're at a you're at a state where the game cannot be or the the level cannot be finished unless you hop on a disc send yourself back to the top or just throw yourself off the the pyramid um, sacrifice a life and you'll show up at the top again and what that does is is it it alternates the polarity of where it goes from you know, a finishable state and, you know, back, back from an unfinishable state. See what I mean? Yeah, actually, I do. It makes it, um, it's not something you would think about in a video game, but having watched your gameplay and having you describe it, it, it actually makes a lot of sense. Right. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll try to, I'll try to complete everything. I mean, when it's unfinishable, that means that everything everything can be turned the right color except for one cube. If it, if it comes to that point, I want to keep that one cube as close to the top as possible, preferably the very top cube of the pyramid. That way I can hop on a disc, you know, everything from the second row down is complete except for that one cube. And it'll send you right back to the top. And as soon as you drop down, the board's finished. You know, preferably you can take a snake out with you. You know, that, that's always kind of a kind of a cool trick. You know, but the, the the goal of the game is to is to finish it as as quickly as possible, so you can get those bonus points. Because it takes a very long time to just get one million points. It takes at least two hours, at least for me. For some people, you know, who are like absolute masters who never die. I mean, it takes them a little quicker. But for me, it's it's an average of you know two hours per million. So I have to kind of factor that into the gameplay. Like, okay, there's no time to you know mess around here. You know, finish the board as quick as possible, and do it in the most efficient you know you know time time saving way. When you reach level five, round three, that is what I consider to be the the maximum. Because every screen after that is just a repeat of of level five, round three. 
you know, five, four, six, one, six, two, six, three, six, four, and so on. And obviously when you get to level nine, it just stays at level nine. But every, if you, if you, uh, if you pay attention, like, like to that clip that I showed you, um, yeah, everything after five, three, the, the colors might've changed, but the discs stay the same where they are. And that's, that is a crucial key to my strategy is, you know, the pattern that I use plays along to exactly where those discs are. And I, and I use those in conjunction with, you know, the, the timing of, you know, the, the flow of how, how I'm progressing in completing the pyramid. Because I, I know exactly, you know, you know, the first disc I go to is, you know, row seven on the right side. And then I'll probably use the ones on the fifth row the next time. And I save those those three discs up top um, for, you know, correcting any mistakes or if I get in, into an unfinishable um, state. You see what I mean? I do. And I was going to ask... Um... Since, like you said, you mentioned that at level five three, it essentially is the same game. Does it make it harder to play that game because at that point it is, you know, more of just the same? If you know what I'm saying. Uh hard and hard in what way? Like hard, like you know, I'm bored with this, or yeah, yeah. Does it make it yeah. a more challenging game in that there's nothing, there's no new challenge coming? No, there there is no new challenge. Because like I said before, everything else, you know, drops out of the sky at the same um, at the same rate in the same order. You know, you'll have a you'll expect a ball that you'll the only thing that seems to be different is when coily drops or the, the purple ball. But everything else, you know, is is the same in in the in the same order. You know, a ball, you know, then another ball, maybe a couple of those, you know, ug and wrong way guys. You know, and then you you just there's a pause, and then you wait for um, Sam or Slick. I mean, you know it, to expect them. You know, on on one of those two sides, and it goes on. Then you know when to expect the green ball to drop. I I try to finish the game before that that first green ball drops. I mean, it's possible, but it is kind of hard to do because you have to kind of. I, I guess you know 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 how to duck and dodge and weave at the same time. I mean, it, it's a simple game, but there there is a lot of complexity to it. You know, when when you uh, when you break it down from the abstract, you know, down to its, you know, the the meat and potatoes um, version of, you know, how to complete a board, you know, as as rapidly as possible without dying. Now, obviously, you enjoy Qbert since you played it for a long time. Mm-hmm. But would you say you enjoy games that are more patternable or games that are more random, or does it really just depend on the game itself? It depends on the game itself. Um, okay. Some some games like Pac Man, I'll I'll like it for a while, but I won't appreciate it as much because it is way too patternable. Um, I I do like it when I have to uh, you know mix it up a little bit. I mean, Hubert definitely um, fits that um, criteria for me because there's 
a little bit of the randomness, but you know, there's still a basic strategy involved. Okay. Um, so I heard that uh, the next day, Hubert's co-creator and artist Jeff Lee wanted to meet with you. So yep. what do you guys talk about? It, it was it was the weirdest thing. I did not know that he had lived in the he was still living in the Chicago area, and the um, arcade owner um, Doc Mac um, came over to me while I was messing around on one of the other games and said that. Um, how'd you like to meet Jeff Lee? He's like, really? He's <laughs> like, yeah, he was watching your um, stream the night before and wanted to come down and congratulate us. And I just dropped what I was doing. Like, oh my gosh. So yeah, I I got to meet him. You know, shake his hand. Uh, did a, did a couple of uh, um, uh, pictures with him, and yeah, we just. We just talked for the next hour, you know, like, you know, how did I do that? And, you know, you know, basically you know, how, how he designed Qbert as well. And it, it was just, a, it was a real awesome uh, experience, you know, you know, meeting one, one of the legends of uh, game design right there. Yeah. That would be something to, to meet him. Um, and he, he, just a little bit, I've seen him on Facebook. He seems like a very nice down to earth guy. He is, yeah. He's a real cool guy. You know, he's very surprised that that I was able to articulate, you know, you know, basic, uh, you know, game design and, and management and coding, you know, kind of on the same terms with him. And he's like, yeah, you definitely know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, what is it about Qbert that you know really drew you to the game? Um. Really, the I mean, the whole the whole design of Qbert is kind of tongue in cheek, um, off the wall, um, weird. I mean, I I think is because it was it was unlike um, any other game um, that was out there. I mean, it wasn't so much a maze game or a blaster game. It was it was just. It was like silliness and fun, you know, you know, right down to where, you know, when Qbert dies, there's a, you know, a big vulgarity speech balloon over his head. I mean, it was, it was kind of, you know, funny and quirky. I mean, that's kind of how I identify myself as as a game player as well. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, yeah, I, I identify with, you know, all the characters in Qbert. It's definitely a classic game, too, so. You know, a lot of the good games from that time, especially, but are like that very simple, you know, simple to play, yeah. but hard to master or, you know, and that, that might be my only beef with Cuber is that it, it became too, way too easy to master because by now, you know, a lot of people have mastered it. A, a million, a million points is, is actually kind of a, it's more like a bachelor's degree for scores now. I mean, you you, you think it's really good, you know? It's like, oh wait, everybody else has had it. No, never mind. <laughs> okay, just keep going up. Yeah, and I'm and I'm one saying that I, you know, I'm I'm coming from the cloth of yeah, I have a bachelor's degree too. Whoop de do. <laughs> but but to some people, that's a huge deal. It's like you're the <laughs> You're the first of our family to ever finish college. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, you're right. Exactly. So I mean, uh, that, that's yeah. That's there's probably a good, not a good analogy. I mean, I could probably count on. I mean, I'm I'm totally guessing here, but I could probably count on one hand, you know, the, the number of people who have gone to score close to what I had on Kubert. I mean, I, I can think of one other person. Other than that, when when you go to the the arcade, and it's called Arcadia and Fable. I'm, I'm plugging that for you for y'all um when you go down there i mean you look i never i never play cuber at the at the arcade anymore because uh, honestly what's the point <laughs> the 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 top the top score you know going out to the night i mean you're looking at it, it's like you know somebody's at eighteen thousand and sixteen thousand and fifteen thousand you know they're they're also proud of what they're doing i mean who am i to come up there and just dash their dreams with you know two point eight million or something, it, one one of the funniest things that Jeff Lee says, like, oh, when I when I posted the picture of that six million, I was like, oh, I see, I dropped to twenty first again, because <laughs> his his name is per, is perpetually <laughs> on on the scoreboard, and it's like a score of like three hundred points. I mean, I mean, pick some higher numbers. Gosh. <laughs> I suppose they probably wanted people to get on high scoreboards, but yeah, that is kind of funny the way he would, he said that. Yeah, yeah, that that's a that's a Jeff Lee quote. <laughs> yeah, you're seeing all these. Yeah, I was the only person who played Cuber all day that game. The only one, because <laughs> I was there. Yeah, I was I was there from the from the time it 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 opened. You know, nobody had touched it, and they had already set up the cameras. Like, okay, go go for it. It's like, okay. And then I was the last person out. It was like 2 in the morning. They offered to let me stay and keep going, and my son was with me. I mean, he, he came up to Chicago with me, and I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm getting tired of playing this game, and really I just want to go to the hotel room, chill out, because I wanted, I wanted to see some of the city. I had never been to Chicago before. So I figured, okay, six million—that's a good drop-off point. It was twice the uh, the original record, and I had already noticed on the chat board that the guy I, I beat—I forgot what his name is—but uh, he said, you know, I <laughs> I ain't beat that, whatever I did. And at that point, I was still at like four and a half million. So I was like, okay, I'll go to five million. I mean, th- that was my old personal best. It's like, okay, I'll go to five million, you know, see how I feel. It's like, okay, I, f- I think I can do another one. And I already thought, like, maybe I can do seven million. But when I was close to the end of, you know, like five and a half million, like, I am so tired of this. Just kill me now. God. <laughs> I mean, if you know that <laughs> feeling, it's like, God. <laughs> it's like dry it's like yes. driving through Kansas. God, get me out. <laughs> I want to see something other than flat crap. Yeah. And and you you can if if you'd seen the stream of that of that Twitch video, I don't know if you can find it anymore, but I was starting to lose more lives than I was gaining. I'm like, okay, I'm losing focus. You know, I'm you know, I'm physically, emotionally, and 
probably even spiritually, you know, effing tired of this damn game. <laughs> I got, I don't feel like I have anything else to prove, so that's it. Six million, you know, and, and when, when I said that to myself, I could feel myself like, okay, I'm going to give my, my body that much more energy just to make it over there and then just, that's it. <laughs> yeah, at some point you just call it a day. Yeah. So I might I might be this you know the stupidest fool alive for saying okay I'm going to come back here and do ten. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's possible, but I mean I I had no rock stars or or Red Bull or anything. I just drank water and one slice of pizza, and that was it. The entire day, <laughs> and I'm diabetic too, so I was probably crashing you know, blood sugar wise. Yeah. I would imagine after only having that for the whole day. Yeah. Yeah. So dietary wise and, you know, pacing myself, I didn't really do God good job of that. I was, I was really up there just to beat the 3 million points, which I knew I could do in six hours. It was just a matter of, you know, how far did I want to, you know, keep this going. So, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people were, you know, amazed that, you know, that I broke the three, let alone put another three on top of that. So, and, and enough people were were pleased with with my uh, with my uh, performance. I mean, Doc knew you know what I was you know capable of doing, so I wanted to at least give him a good show, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And I and I I mean when when I knew he when I realized oh you're going to put this on Twitch and I everybody to see this damn you know I, I better do something you know you know, pretty damn good here. <laughs> so I mean, that, that was fuel for, for what I was doing. And a lot of people think, you know, is he, is he going to break George's? It's like, hell no. <laughs> I got a life. I got a life to live. I mean, you, do you realize how, how many hours I would have to play to beat George's record of 37 million points? I mean, I mean, just think about that for, for a while. Mathematically alone, 37 times 2, that's 74 hours. I mean, and that's that's just that's just a straight game playing, you know, trying to trying to beat the level and not just kind of wandering around, you know, you know, scoring points as you go. No, you know, that that's that's straight up gameplay, you know, 74 hours, you know, alone. You know. He might have a a, a better um points per hour pace i mean they, they talk about paces in donkey kong like okay i'm at a at a pace like this i'm, I'm sure his is is quite a bit higher than mine but still a 74 hour game you know I, no i could not do that yeah that yeah it's been a long time since i've been able to stay up that long straight yeah, you know, I don't even think I could break the, break the the gyrus record. I mean, and that would take me at least forty hours. Yeah, that that's a long time when you get to be our age now. I'd like to thank my guest Mike Dietrich for being on the '80s Arcade Podcast. I had a great time talking with you, and look forward to having you on again. Thank you very much for having me on, Bob. You know, I really appreciate the honor and enjoy talking video games with other pros out there, and hope to do this again soon. Thank you for listening to the 80s Arcade Podcast. We want to hear from you. You can reach us on Twitter at 80s Arcade Pod, on Facebook at 80s Arcade Podcast, and on the web 
at 80sArcadePodcast.com. 